Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I launched out in this posture and rode towards the ship. When I had approached sufficiently near to be seen, I exhibited to the seamen and passengers on the deck an extraordinary spectacle, and all of them regarded me with astonishment. In the meantime, I got on board, and laying hold of a rope, jumped upon the deck. But having lost my speech, I found myself in great perplexity, and indeed the risk I ran was not less than when I was at the mercy of the genie. The merchants, being both superstitious and scrupulous, thought if they received me on board I should be the occasion of some misfortune to them during their voyage. On this account one of them said, I will destroy him with a blow of this handspike. Another, I will shoot an arrow through his body. And a third, let us throw him into the sea. Some of them would not have failed to carry his threat into execution had I not gone to the captain, thrown myself at his feet, and taken hold of his skirt in a supplicating posture. This action, together with the tears which he saw gush from my eyes, moved his compassion. He took me under his protection, threatened to be revenged on any one that would do me the least hurt, and loaded me with a thousand caresses. On my part, though I had no power to speak, I showed by my gestures every mark of gratitude in my power. The wind that succeeded the calm was not strong, but favorable. It continued to blow in the same direction for fifty days, and brought us safe to the port of a city, well-peopled and of great trade, the capital of a powerful state, where we came to anchor. Our vessel was instantly surrounded with an infinite number of boats full of people, who came to congratulate their friends on their safe arrival, or to inquire for those they had left behind them in the country from whence they had come, or out of curiosity to see a ship that had performed so long a voyage. Amongst the rest, some officers came on board, desiring in the name of the sultan to speak with the merchants. The merchants appearing, one of the officers told them, The sultan our master hath commanded us to acquaint you, that he rejoices in your safe arrival, and beseeches each of you to take the trouble to write a few lines upon this roll. That you may understand the design of this request, you must know that we had a prime vizier, who besides possessing great abilities for the management of public affairs, could write in the highest perfection. This minister a few days since died. The event has greatly affected the sultan, and since he can never behold his writing without admiration, he has made a solemn vow not to give the place to anyone who cannot write equally well. Many have presented specimens of their skill, but to this day no one in the empire has been judged worthy to supply the vizier's place. Those of the merchants who thought they could write well enough to aspire to this high dignity wrote one after another what they thought fit. After they had done, I advanced, and took the roll out of the gentleman's hand. But all the people, especially the merchants, cried out, that I would tear it, or throw it into the sea, till they saw how properly I held the roll, and made a sign that I would write in my turn. Their apprehensions then changed into wonder. However, as they had never seen an ape that could write, 
and could not be persuaded that I was more ingenious than others of my kind, they wished to take the roll out of my hand. But the captain took my part once more. "'Let him alone,' said he. "'Allow him to write. If he only scribbles the paper, I promise you that I will immediately punish him. If, on the contrary, he writes well, as I hope he will, because I never saw an ape so clever and ingenious, and so quick of apprehension, I declare that I will adopt him as my son.' Perceiving that no one opposed my design, I took the pen, and wrote six sorts of hands used among the Arabians, and each specimen contained an extemporary distich or quatrain in praise of the sultan. My writing not only excelled that of the merchants, but was such as they had not before seen in that country. When I had done, the officers took the roll, and carried it to the sultan. The sultan took little notice of any of the writings except mine which pleased him so much that he said to the officers, Take the finest horse in my stable, with the richest trappings, and robe of the most sumptuous brocade, to put on the person who wrote the six hands, and bring him thither. At this command the officers could not forbear laughing. The sultan was incensed at their rudeness, and would have punished them had they not explained. Sir, said they, we humbly beg your majesty's pardon. These hands were not written by a man, but by an ape. What do you say? exclaimed the sultan. Those admirable characters, are they not written by the hands of a man? No, sir, replied the officers. We assure your majesty that it was an ape who wrote them in our presence. The sultan was too much surprised at this account not to desire a sight of me, and therefore said, Do what I command you, and bring me speedily that wonderful ape. The officers returned to the vessel, and showed the captain their order, who answered, The sultan's command must be obeyed. Whereupon they clothed me with the rich brocade robe, and carried me ashore, where they set me on horseback, whilst the sultan waited for me at his palace with a great number of courtiers, whom he gathered together to do me the more honor. The procession commenced. The harbor, the streets, the public places, windows, terraces, palaces, and houses were filled with an infinite number of people of all ranks, who flocked from every part of the city to see me, for the rumor was spread in a moment that the sultan had chosen an ape to be his grand vizier, and after having served for a spectacle to the people, who could not forbear to express their surprise by redoubling their shouts and cries, I arrived at the sultan's palace. I found the prince on his throne in the midst of the grandees. I made my obeisance three times very low, and at last kneeled and kissed the ground before him, and afterwards took my seat in the posture of an ape. The whole assembly viewed me with admiration, and could not comprehend how it was possible that an ape should so well understand how to pay the sultan his due respect, and he himself was more astonished than any. In short, the usual ceremony of the audience would have been complete, could I have added speech to my behavior, but apes never speak, and the advantage I had of having been a man did not now yield me that privilege. The sultan dismissed his courtiers, and none remained by him but the chief of the eunuchs, a little young slave, and myself. He went from his chamber of audience into his own apartment, where he ordered dinner to be brought. As he sat at the table he made me a sign to approach and eat with them, to show my obedience, I kissed the ground, arose, and placed myself at the table, and ate with discretion and moderation. Before the table was cleared, I espied a standish, which I made a sign to have brought me. Having got it, I wrote upon a large peach some verses, 
expressive of my acknowledgment to the sultan, who, having read them after I had presented the peach to him, was still more astonished. When the things were removed, they brought him a particular liquor, of which he caused them to give me a glass. I drank and wrote upon the glass some new verses, which explained the state I was reduced to after many sufferings. The sultan read these likewise, and said, A man that was capable of doing so much would be above the greatest of his species. The sultan caused to be brought him a chessboard, and asked me by a sign if I understood that game, and would play with him. I kissed the ground, and laying my hand upon my head, signified that I was ready to receive that honor. He won the first game, but I won the second and third, and perceiving he was somewhat displeased at my success, I made a quatrain to satisfy him, in which I told him that two potent armies had been fighting furiously all day, but that they concluded a peace towards the evening, and passed the remaining part of the night very amicably together upon the field of battle. So many circumstances appearing to the sultan beyond whatever had either been seen or known of the cleverness or sense of apes, he determined not to be the only witness of these prodigies himself, but having a daughter called the Lady of Beauty, on whom the chief of the eunuchs then present waited. Go, said the sultan, to him, and bid your lady come hither. I am desirous she should share my pleasure. The eunuch went and immediately brought the princess, who had her face uncovered. But she had no sooner come into the room than she put her veil on, and said to the sultan, Sir, your majesty must needs have forgotten yourself. I am surprised that your majesty has sent for me to appear among men. How, daughter, said the sultan, you do not know what you say. There is no one here but the little slave, the eunuch your governor, and myself who have the liberty to see your face, and yet you lower your veil, and blame me for having sent for you. Sir, said the princess, your majesty shall soon understand that I am not in the wrong. That seeming ape is a young prince, son of a powerful sultan, and has been metamorphosed into an ape by enchantment. A genie, son of the daughter of Elvis, has maliciously done him this wrong, after having cruelly taken away the life of the princess of the Isle of Ebony. The sultan, astonished at this declaration, turned towards me, and speaking no more by signs, but in plain words, asked me if what his daughter had said was true. Finding I could not speak, I put my hand to my head to signify that what the princess spoke was correct. Upon this the sultan said again to his daughter, how do you know that this prince has been transformed by enchantments into an ape? Sir, replied the lady of beauty, your majesty may remember that when I was past my infancy, I had an old lady who waited on me. She was a most expert magician, and taught me seventy rules of magic, by virtue of which I can, in the twinkling of an eye, transport your capital into the midst of the sea, or beyond Mount Caucasus. By this science I know all enchanted persons at first sight. I know who they are, and by whom they have been enchanted. Therefore do not be surprised if I should forthwith relieve this prince, in spite of the enchantments, from that which prevents his appearing in your sight in his natural form. Daughter, said the sultan, I did not believe you have understood so much. Sir, replied the princess, these things are curious and worth knowing, but I think I ought not to boast of them. Since it is so, said the sultan, you can dispel the prince's enchantment. Yes, sir, said the princess, I can restore him to his original shape. Do it, then, said the sultan. You cannot do me a greater pleasure, 
for I will have him to be my vizier, and he